Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There is a constant sin that plagued the people of God, and that sin is idolatry. And we see that many times the prophets speak of idolatry as a spiritual adultery. Rather than being faithful to God, their husband, Israel, committed spiritual adultery and went after other gods, even though Moses warned them and commanded them not to do so. And revealed to them to do so would bring about God's judgment, his curse, instead of his goodness and his blessing. Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, why was idolatry so common? Why was it popular among the people? Because idolatry is rooted in the desire of the flesh, what you want rather than what God commands. Idolatry makes you your own God. You decide what is right and wrong, and you choose idols. That, that condone and approve and command the various things that you want to hear. So it's rooted in one's will for the purpose of the gratification of one's flesh. And all the while, when one does that, they believe that they are being religious. Nothing could be further from the truth. And when we look at prophets, all the prophets, they warned against the end result of idolatry, God's consuming judgment. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 57. The book of Isaiah and chapter 57. Now, we're going to study in this session the first 13 verses. And let me share with you the language, the vocabulary, the grammar this is a difficult portion of scripture now i was sharing this with a friend of mine in the states and he looked through his bible and he said to me i don't see why you think this is difficult and here's why there was such a disconnect between us because he was looking at the new international version and this is not a literal translation. It is oftentimes a paraphrase where it takes portions of, of the text and then it interprets it for you. So he was not reading the actual text, but an interpretation, a view, a summary, a view for what the verse was saying. So when you study an interpretation, in common language, it's much easier than dealing with the difficulties of the original language and things that, that can be interpreted, perhaps, in different ways. 
there are some difficult words words not to know what they mean but how they should be understand in the unique use of them in this passage so when you wrestle with the original language it can be much more difficult than looking at a translation which interprets the passage for you and gives you in their translation what they think the passage means so let's begin let's take this slowly and carefully as we see what god is saying now in a general statement we can say this god is contrasting the man the woman of god the one of faith the one that is submissive to the commandments of god the ways of god he's contrasting these individuals with those who are practicing idolatry those who have removed themselves from the constraints of the word of god now they are constraints but they are for a good purpose god's constraints through his commandments keep us in the borders of where god wants us to be let me say that another way god's commandments keep us in his will when we transgress a commandment when we rebel godly instruction what his word teaches us we move outside the will of god and when we're outside the will of god we're not going to hear god clearly we're not going to be blessed by him we're not going to be a recipient of his good provision in our life transgressing the word of god puts us outside the will of god and there we're going to be very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy not having the resources the spiritual help that we need to overcome these attacks so let's begin we see in the first two verses of of this passage the benefits god's promise to those who are sensitive to his word who are walking in faith let's begin verse one the righteous one perishes now that doesn't sound very good a righteous one in this world perish and he says and there is no man that places upon the heart meaning it's an idiom no man pays attention to what has happened understands the reason behind it furthermore he says ve anshe chesed anshe men of chesed grace so men of grace or gracious individuals they are gathered now that expression being gathered up has to do oftentimes it's an idiom as well for for dying being removed from this world and he says and there is no one that understands that because of evil the righteous one is gathered meaning the righteous one is removed he's taken away so god is revealing to us something that he does there are times that god will take an individual in other words that person dies he is removed from earth but the reason why is that evil was approaching and god and what a great thing it is to be taken from this world and to be in the presence of god where god is there is no evil there is only goodness there is his presence 
There is joy from being in the same location as the living God. And this is what the righteous one can expect. So this first verse tells us of the benefits of living righteously, demonstrating one's faith, being a recipient of grace and having grace work in one's life. Now let's look at verse 2. Now here again, it's only when you pay attention to the grammar that you see things differently than many translations have. And people will ask me, well, wait a second. What about the people who are making these translations? Well, oftentimes, they are not consulting the original language for every verse. What do I mean by that? Well, there will be committees, for example. There will be a committee that is assigned the book of Isaiah. And they're using as their foundation an earlier translation. And therefore, what they do is they discuss any passages that they believe that it needs to be that translation, that source translation, where it needs to be changed. Now, in those cases, they will consult the original language. But for many, many verses, the vast majority, there's no issue, meaning there's no one on the committee that wants to necessarily make a change to a great number of verses. Usually, there are those verses that are controversial, verses that are well-known, that are used as a proof text, something that has significant theological implications one way or another. This is what they, they ponder, they pour over, and they argue to come to a conclusion. But the vast majority of a book, for example, if the committee is studying Isaiah and responsible for its translation, the vast, vast, vast majority of the book of Isaiah, they don't discuss. They're not going through word by word and looking. They're accepting the source translation that their new translation is derived from. But when we look at verse 2, it says, Yavo Shalom. And what we should realize is that Shalom is indeed the, the subject. So it's not saying he will come in peace. That would be who yavo be shalom. There's no word for with peace or in peace. And therefore, peace will come. God is saying in the connection with the verse we've just looked at, what God's going to do with the righteous, he's saying that, yes, there are righteous ones, anshe chesed, that is men of grace, that they are going to experience something. Peace will come, and it says, and they will rest upon their beds, meaning they are going to have rest. Instead of suffering the evil of this world, they are going to experience peace, and the outcome of that peace is that they're going to experience rest. In other words, they're going to be comforted, and there's an idiom here for their beds, meaning a place of safety, a place of security. Now, we're going to see as we get into other verses that this same word for bed is used, but here it's being used the same word in contrast. Instead of being a true place of comfort, of rest, it becomes a place of idolatry 
a place of idolatrous practices that are displeasing to god they are not comforting the soul that inner being of the person true peace but they are upon their beds are gratifying their flesh that's the difference look again at at verse 2 peace will come and they will be comforted upon their beds who's that he who walks and we can find it being before him now many will say uprightly but if we look at this word and we do a good study of it on on its its meaning it means to be before someone in the presence of someone so what it's emphasizing here is yes he goes uprightly but literally he goes before him and the him is is god now if it says he walks in his uprightness i would say that this is not the literalness of that verse it means that this one is going to be brought into peace he is going to find rest and that this one is going to be going into the very presence of god before him now look at verse 3. verse 3 the first letter of that verse is the letter vav and here that letter is a conjunction and it can be and or but now that one letter can be translated a couple different ways and or but whether it's being used as a conjunction of unity or one of disunity one of contrast and here there's nothing uncertain about this there's nothing debatable it is being used to show a contrast a contrast between the men or women of grace the one who is a righteous person the one who is going to experience god's peace and being in his presence now we're dealing with those that god is not pleased with those whom god is going to show his contempt his judgment so look at verse 3 he says but you and isaiah is speaking to the majority of the people the leadership of israel he says but but you draw near to hear so he's saying come close to hear and who's he speaking to well literally this is the children the ones who are subscribing to what we would call sorcery those things that are of the occult so he says you draw near to hear who's the subject the sons and it can mean sons or daughters it's an inclusive term those who are practicing sorcery and who are they they are the seed of the adulterer and it's speaking about a people speaking about god's people and it says and she who plays or will play the harlot it's probably who has played the harlot in the past because of the vav before this last term so he's saying to these individuals that you you have been born out of adultery that's your character your heritage 
And because of that, you have played the harlot. And here it's speaking about harlotry as spiritual harlotry, which is idolatry. Verse 4. Concerning whom have, have you mocked? And here it's in the plural, you all, this people. Who have you mocked? Who have you broaden your mouth now why are they broadening their mouth making their mouth wide it says so they can lengthen their tongue which is simply to stick out the tongue and he says surely you and here's what he's speaking of these ones who are practicing idolatry sorcery the occult he says they are what children of Pesha. Pesha is crime or simply transgression in the spiritual sense. They are of the seed, shaker, which is sheker, which is falsehood. So they are children of, of crime, both spiritually and, and crime in a normal sense. And they are seed, a false seed. They do not belong to the seed of Abraham. Verse 5. Now, verse 5, it wants to, to share with us in a more specific way what the problem is. Now, I've shared with you, it's idolatry, but we have some clear indication of this at this time. That he means adultery, but spiritual adultery. Verse 5, ha nechamim ba elim. Elim, it's not speaking about a, a tree. But it's speaking about an idol, or in this case, idols in the plural. And this first word means to warm oneself. And it can be to be excited, to be aroused, to be enthused about something. But it's something in this context that is not pleasing to God. It's something that is is pleasing to the flesh, not the, the spirit of God. So these who warm themselves, excite themselves, please themselves with with idols. And where are they? Underneath every refreshing tree, meaning green tree, a tree of, of, how could we say, a tree of, of refreshment, meaning a green tree, a strong tree, a pleasant tree, a pretty tree. And this is an expression that we've come across several times in our study of Scripture. Mitachat le'etz ra'anan is an idiom for idolatry, a place of idolatry. Now, some have said it's related to the same type of mentality that, that Chava, that is Eve, had when she went to the tree of the knowledge of good of evil. She went there for herself. She went there to exalt herself, doing what she thought was best. And this is the same, same uh, mindset for those who go under a tree of refreshment. And what did they do there? Well, they were excited. They were enthused. They were renewed, but their flesh was renewed. And notice what they were willing to do, how they were deceived, what idolatrous mindset brings about. It says, there they slaughtered. Now, this is the word 
for a religious slaughtering it's not a word for just killing but it's a religious slaughtering of their children and it says as well that they did so among the the uh, uh, rivers and this is a a word for for a pleasant place underneath the cliffs or the clefts of the rocks so they went to this place it was beautiful it was pleasing to the eye and they gratified themselves and the outcome of that was them slaughtering ritually their children among this location among the could be simply the the rivers by the rivers verse 8 now what did they get from it what was their their payment see god gives us good blessings when we serve him following his will positions us where we can receive the outcome of his promise wonderful things but look at verse 6 but the smooth ones of the river now it's speaking most scholars believe about the smooth stones it says with the smooth stones of the river this is your portion this is what you get now these uh smooth stones were used in idolatrous practices they were it talked about uh, uh stone being used as idols they went and they got nice smooth stones and they worshiped them it says they they are your lot now lot can also it's a word goral which can also relate to this is their future all they get is a bunch of rocks nothing of significance nothing of of spiritual good spiritual implications nothing that resembles life none of the provisions of god they simply get rocks and it says also to these to these rocks they they give a an offering of of a libation a liquid offering and upon they bring up also their gift their mincha their sacrifices and he says concerning these i will be comforted meaning i will will respond favorably to them now this word for being comforted it's a very significant word it's the same root where the village of of capernaum now capernaum we all know this became the headquarters when messiah began his his years of service for what he was sent into this world to do when he began that at the age of 30 he left Nazareth, nazareth and he went to a place called capernaum or kafar nehum and this word nehum is here the same root in a different form but same root word and god is saying am i going to be comforted now what is the outcome of god being comforted the outcome of god being comforted is his best plans what he originally desired can once again be the reality for his people this comfort this is an important word especially in the book of isaiah and it speaks about what messiah will bring about he ministered his headquarters was 
was Kafar Nehum Capernaum because he was going to bring comfort. And this comfort to his father, this appeasement, making righteousness, bringing about justification, all of that was in order that God's good plan, his good purposes for the people might yet be fulfilled. It brought about a spiritual renewal that restored things back to God's original intent. Verse 7. Upon a high and exalted mountain, you set your bed. Now again, he's contrasting the, the heavenly bed, a place of comfort, true comfort, with the falsehood of idolatry and the bed that they make for themselves look again at verse 7 upon a high and exalted meaning lifted up a high mountain you set your bed also there you you bring up you go up in order to sacrifice a sacrifice so you go to a mountain but not the proper mountain not the temple mountain but rather a place of idolatry not the place where god's name his character dwells there verse 8 now he's saying here with a different mountain and you're going to see some of the foundational things that are very familiar to the jewish community are being alluded to here but in a different way why do i say that Well, we all know that God, one of the commandments is that you take the word of God, specifically the commandments of God, and write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. Now, the term doorposts is mezuzah. And this was the same place that the blood of redemption, the Passover redemption, the blood of that lamb was placed. It was first placed on the doorpost, then later. The commandments, what's the teaching? First, you must be redeemed in order that the commandments of God will have relevance and you will be in the state, the spiritual condition, to obey the word of God. But notice what it says here in verse verse 8. And after the door, not on the doorpost, but after the door and the doorposts, you set your memorial your remembrance instead of in the place that god commands they do it in a different location after the door and the doorpost not there this is where they place their memorial their remembrance he says for from me god is speaking there is a departure he says for from me you have revealed so it is clear now by what they're doing that they have left departed from god and you go up into the wide places of your your bed in other words they have made they have gone up and they have have made the place of their bed broad meaning this they have have built up for them their own resting place all this is saying is this the people are rejecting god's provision god's purpose god's plan his instructions they reject all of this they are building up the future 
that they want. And that's what it's saying. You're making broad your bed. You've gone up to do that. Instead of saying, I want what God wants to give me. I want the portion of the Lord, what he has set apart for me in his will. The people don't want that. They want what they want and they are going to labor hard to get what they desire, not the desires of God. He says, Va tikrat lach. Now, this is also an expression I've shared with you before. You cannot say in Hebrew, la sot brit, which means to make a covenant. You can't say the word to make, the normal word for making something. When you make a covenant in Hebrew, you have to say that you cut a covenant. And this word is indeed in regard to a covenant. So he says, look at the middle of verse 8. Va tikrat lach, meaning that you cut for yourselves, and it's an idiom for you've made a covenant. And from them, meaning of them, of these individuals, these idolatrous things, these idols. It says you've cut a covenant with them and you love what? You love their beds. Now, what it's saying is, again, they have exchanged something. They're not interested in the the beds, the comfort places that God has. They're not interested in the kingdom of God, where God wants them to be, where he's going to provide rest and peace. They reject that. And what are they doing? They are going to the idolatrous things, the idolatrous practices, in order to make their bed there, in other words. That's what they love. And then we have an expression, Yad Chazit. Chazit, we know what that means. It's the same word, root, for the word Chazon, which is a vision. This is a verbal form for the concept of having a vision or seeing a vision. It's a word of perceiving something. Now, many English translations will say, there you have have seen nudity. And they put it in this sense. But the word that they translate nudity, and many will say it's a, a Hebrew idiom, I'm not aware of this. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm unknowledgeable on the, of this idiom. But I don't see anything for that basis. It's the word yad, which more often than not refers, as we'll see in a moment, to power or authority. What they say is this. They've made their own beds, idolatrous beds. They have determined where they're going to be, for they have seen their power, meaning this. They have accomplished what they wanted. This is a fulfillment of the vision of the yad, the hand, the power. Yad is synonymous with with power or deed. They've seen the deed. They want this. That's what it's saying. I don't see a basis for the concept of nudity in in the end of verse 8. Now let's look at verse 9. You, now it's speaking about the people, Israel, in a feminine way, you, singular, meaning you or, or she, but in this case, it's you. You travel to a king. Now, this king is not 
the king of kings and the lord of lords it's not referring to god he says you travel to a king and with oil and that means with scented oil and you multiply your perfume so all of this is an outward and here again if you're a good student of the bible it will tell us for example in the book of shir hasharim the book of song of songs that a pleasant fragrance or ointment that is pleasant is good deeds a godly character but these people don't have good deeds they don't have a character that that resembles god's character that god would be pleased with so they have to come before for the king that they're worshiping which is the king of their own making and they come before him with with oil and with the abundance of perfumes and it says they send forth literally you send forth it's it's second person singular feminine you send forth your messengers unto far away so it's an emphasis far away and what happens you humiliate yourself unto sheol sheol the place of death instead of reaching humbling yourself in the right way and being exalted what they do is that they act disgracefully they humiliate themselves not humble but humiliate themselves and their end result is going to be sheol they're not going to know that peace they're not going to know that rest they're not going to experience that comfort they're not going to have any of the things that god wants them to have and remember all of this is in contrast to what we learned in the first two verses now look at verse 10 in the abundance of your way you are exhausted meaning simply this there's no peace there's no comfort there's no rest in these things all these things they want to please and satisfy the flesh but in the end He's saying it does not bring this about. And it says, lo amart noash. Now, the term noash is a word of of despair, discouragement. It is spiritually being exhausted without any, any uh, hope for that which is good. But the word simply means to, to be of despair. And he says, you will not say, that's the problem you do not say you will not say what you're really feeling that it's not satisfying that it's not pleasing that it's not good for you what happens chayat yadecha now here again yadech excuse me chayach yadech the the life of your hand here again hand it's it's a a idiom for oneself the very essence of a person And it's saying here that you have found the very life of your hand. You have become powerful. Concerning this, he says, it's because of this false sense of I'm great, I'm superior, uh, things are going to work out eventually. And here's what I would, would liken this to. If you listen to some of what I would call the the sensationalism of of our faith and there's a show called it's supernatural and you look at that and the guest that that the host has 
and they're always talking about how I went to heaven, how God revealed this. I had this experience and that experience. And it's always now I can decree this, that that I have the power, the legal right spiritually to declare this, to make this to happen. It's all about what? Denying the fact that these individuals, they are false teachers. They ought not be listened to they do not know scriptural truth and you say that's judgmental it is evaluating things accurately just listen to what they say you see their testimony is is coming from their minds as they're speaking it's not something that is a true experience and this is what these individuals they find life in their own power they they are are mustering this up and it says Al ken therefore lo chalit meaning therefore because they find some false strength of themselves they will not admit that they are afflicted or literally this word means to be sick that they are sick spiritually they will not admit that that they are not under the authority of the spirit of god but a different different spirit and we see individuals that that say profess that the spirit of god i sense the spirit of god now is mighty moving among us and people start having these ridiculous ungodly unverifiable experiences we don't see that these are verified in the scriptures these type of things where do you see that someone who gets down on the floor and moves around like an animal and begins to to bark or to laugh or to cry out in agony and where do you see that is how the holy spirit moves is that the fruit of the spirit is that what we see in the scripture no and it's it's tragic today that there's individuals and and i know one congregation and and the people there are are nice people many of them i believe are sincere in their faith but they have been deceived by believing this group of of false teaching and false manifestations of the spirit of god or accurate manifestations of demons that it's legitimate that this is god it's not god they won't admit that they are spiritually sick that's what he's saying at the end of, of verse 10. now look at verse 11 we're talking about being concerned worrying some will translate it to be fearful but it's the next word so it says and whom are you concerned with whom are you fearful of for you are lying that you have lied and he says from me you do not he says me you do not remember and not upon your heart meaning you do not purpose your heart in regard to me and why is that well look again he says whom do you are you concerned about whom are you fearful of for you will lie that's the the expression that they're speaking falsehood kozev me you do not remember and he says you do not purpose upon your heart you're not paying attention surely i have been quiet god has allowed this for the purpose of people repenting 
understanding the fruitlessness of their activity. He's given them time, but he says, forever and I will will not be feared. You mean forever? You're not going to fear me? That you're going to because I've been silent and I haven't brought about judgment and I have not destroyed you? I have not consumed you with my wrath? For that because I've been silent? He says forever, forever, me, you're not going to fear? Look at verse verse 12. Now in verse 12, God is going to give an evaluation. He's looking at these idolaters and he's telling them about his perception of them and their behavior. Verse 12, and I will declare your righteousness. What you think is right, I'm going to look at what you are doing and evaluate it under my righteous terms and your works. And he says, concerning what you think is right, concerning your works, your deeds, he says, which means they will not be beneficial. They will not be profitable to you. They're not going to have a good conclusion for you. Verse 13, and we'll conclude. Now, verse 13 is a summary when we look at the next part of this chapter next week. There is a, an entirely different, different message. But he says this. When you cry out, he says, your collection, and the implication is your collection of idols. When you cry out, with will your collection of idols now the word idols not there but it's understood will will they save you and he's going to say what idols are he says all of them they are going to be lifted up by the wind meaning this there's no substance to them oftentimes the word wind when it's used in a natural sense it speaks of that which is uh, of emptiness and he says they are so empty the wind is just going to blow them away he says taken by hevel hevel is is that which is of vanity that which is of again it's a synonym for that which has no value no substance no anything that's what he says about their idols it doesn't produce anything it's all all in vain it's all in futility but notice how he gives hope he says but the one who trusts the one who takes comfort the one who trusts the one who believes the one who finds shelter it's a very broad word the one who trusts in me he will inherit the earth he will take possession and this means a word for inheriting as well it will be his what will be my holy mountain meaning this they're going to be brought and many times that expression holy mountain god's holy mountain is an idiom for the kingdom that they're going to take possession they're going to be part of that kingdom hope that kingdom promise so we look here and we see a very significant distinction between those who are of grace those who who demonstrate righteousness and those that are practicing idolatry 
those who are committing spiritual adultery very very different what these two will expect or should expect from an eternal standpoint and the question that you have to answer is this am i believing and basing my life truly on the scriptures or am i being deceived like israel was at this time and buying into an idolatrous uh, religious practice doing things that are not based upon the scripture but based and rooted in what i want my desires what i find pleasing what i find gratifying what i think is going to lead me to what i want to experience in the end israel was in a state of deception they had been deceived by following after their desires rather than god's desire and especially many people today are deceived as well don't you be one of them base your decisions your thoughts your actions upon the truth of scripture shalom from israel well we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org again to find out more about us please visit our website loveisrael.org there you will find articles and numerous other lectures by baruch these teachings are in video form you may download them or watch them in streaming video until next week May the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.